Thanks for listening to the Mornings with Carmen LaBerge podcast, made available thanks to support from listeners just like you. Your daily encouragement that God has the world in the hollow of his hand. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. If we're gonna fly, we fly like eagles, arms out wide. If we're gonna fear, we fear no evil. We will rise by your power. We will go by your spirit. We are bold. If we're gonna stand, we stand as giants. If we're gonna walk, we walk as lions. Good morning. Good morning. It's the 11th of January, 2023. I'm Carmen LaBerge. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen on the Faith Radio Network. Thank you so much for spending some time um, with me today. I genuinely appreciate it. Um, Hey, I don't know if you know this, but there is a Set Apart Conference for Women. It's going to be on the campus of the University of Northwestern St. Paul uh, in March. So March 3 and 4. And you can um, register today at setapartconference.com, setapartconference.com, opportunity to um, just receive hope and encouragement from singer-songwriter Nicole C. Mullen, author Lori Short, um, and just spend time and engage with, uh, with other women who are seeking to walk out our faith into the world that God so loves and to do so in ways that honor Jesus. So you have been set apart. Why don't you gather together with others who have been set apart at the Set Apart Conference. Check it out at setapartconference.com. Today's Growing Your Faith verse of the day comes from Ephesians chapter 3, verses 20 and 21. So as I read it, I want you to um, consider all that this says about who God is and how God um, works. So the character and the ways of God. And to hold that in mind as I read these verses of scripture this morning, Ephesians chapter 3, verses 20 and 21. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. So what do we um, observe? What can we know about God from these verses? What do these verses tell us about God, reveal about God? Well, first of all, that God is. Why would Paul, uh, who wrote the letter to the Christians in Ephesus that we call the book of Ephesians, why would Paul have said, uh, be addressing Um, God as if God is, if God were not. So now to him, so now to God, now to him. So God is, and God is personal. There's a personal pronoun used in there, him. Multiple times in this passage, him, his, him. God is referred to in, uh, as a person. And so not only is God, but God is personal. And that makes a huge difference. That actually makes all the difference. Um, in in the way I understand the world and um, God's present sovereignty over it and my relationship with God. God is and God is personal. And God is able now to him who is able. It's not as if, you know, God's, uh, you know, he clocked in at the beginning of creation and then, well, he clocked out. No, 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 no. God is able right now to act. God is able to do. And God does. So what does God do? Like, what are all the things that you know, the God who is, the personal God, the God who is able, what do you know are some of the things that 
God has done. I mean, you could start with creation. You could st- certainly include in there the incarnation of Jesus Christ. You could offer up the cross as an example of what God does. God sends forth his own Holy Spirit. God does a lot. So to him who is able to do, to do what? Immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, which implies that you and I can ask. We are invited to ask. We are invited to imagine. We are invited to ask God to do, the God who is able, the God who is, the God who is personal, the God who personally cares about you, the God who is present and active. You you can ask him to do. And he's going to do. He does what? He does, well, immeasurably more. How much is that? Well, let your imagination run wild. Now, he's only going to do that which is according to his power, that which is according to his will, and that which ultimately gives him glory. God is powerful. This passage says that God's power is at work within us. When Paul says that, Paul is speaking as a Christian to Christians. And so you can know that the power of God is at work within you if the Holy Spirit is living within you. And how do you know that? Well, you know it because you have given all that you know of yourself to all of God that you understand, and he has sent forth his Holy Spirit to indwell you. So God's power at work within us. And then what else does this verse say? These verses, God's going to get his glory. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. God is going to get his glory. He's going to get his glory in Christ. He's going to get his glory in the church, the bride of Christ. He's going to get his glory in this generation and throughout all generations to come forever and ever. Are you going to be a part of that? You can be a part of it by glorifying God today. Give him the glory. Do his name. Amen. Amen. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge. Next up, we're going to talk with Chelsea Yeoman, the National Legislative Advisor from the Human Coalition Action. Uh, You have heard in the news that the FDA is allowing retail pharmacies to um, give the abortion pill to women who have prescriptions for it, just uh, selling it right over the counter there in pharmacies across the country where it's legal. We're going to talk with Chelsea about that development. And if you're interested how you can fight it in the state where you live. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Well, good morning again. I'm Carmen LaBerge. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen on the Faith Radio Network. Joining us now, Chelsea Yeoman. She's the National Legislative Advisor for the Human Coalition Action. She joins us from Austin, Texas this morning. Chelsea, good morning. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. First, um, this is like our first like sit down and have coffee together. So am I accurately pronouncing your last name? Yes, I was actually blown away. You got it right the first time. <laughs> All right. So, um, so Chelsea, we just talked yesterday with Chelsea Sabolik, who I imagine you know as well. Um, and we didn't talk on this particular pro-life topic, um, but I know that now there are a number of pro-life Christian organizations working collaboratively together, and I'm really excited about that. Um, talk with us specifically today about the um, the FDA 
allowing retail pharmacies. We've already read that Walgreens and CVS are on board. These retail pharmacies are going to be giving abortion pills to women who have prescriptions. So um, also allowing the U.S. Postal Service to deliver the pills via the um, via the mail where it's legal. Can you talk with us about um, this development and maybe help us understand where does that mean it's legal for this to happen? Yes. I mean, this is such an important topic for us to be covering and talking about because what we're talking about is the rampant distribution of the abortion pill, um, a pill that ends a human life every single time. And so it's something that has really traumatizing consequences for women um, and even health risks and safety harms for women. And we're already seeing that 34% of women who take the abortion pill end up in an ER. Um, And we can see those numbers rise. And what it practically means is that your neighborhood Walgreens or C who've already said they want to participate in this program, um, ultimately turn into an abortion provider on every corner. And then on the postal service front, their ability to mail the pill into states where life is fully protected um, is really the federal government doing everything they can to be dedicated to, you know, death um, and continuing abortion. So it's discouraging, it's disappointing, but we in the pro-life movement are here. We're going to be serving these women and mothers in need um, every step of the way, as we always have. And then we're also, we have legislation in the pipeline ready to go. Okay. I want to talk about a couple of um, of angles here. First of all, I actually know that we have people listening right now who are pharmacists and people who are listening right now who are postal mail carriers. Um mm-hmm. This seems like not only does it turn my, um, you know, my neighborhood, my corner drugstore into um, into an abortion clinic of sorts, um, it it makes my pharmacist and my mail carrier deliverer. I mean, it it makes them do something that certainly their conscience would would find itself in conflict with. Can you can you talk about um, either of those angles? Yes, of course I can. Um, I have a religious liberty background with First Amendment work, so that's right up my alley. You know, the pharmacists are not going to be required to provide the pill. Um, it's a voluntary thing they have to get certified for. And so those those pharmacists, their conscience protections are going to be, I think, very well protected. But you're absolutely right on the postal service front. Um, a lot of these postal services, they're actually mailing from known pharmacies, international pharmacies who, who are sending the pill over. So those pills are are not even FDA approved. And for those postal service workers, you do have conscience rights, you have religious liberty rights um, to engage and challenge, but it is going to be a challenge. And so I would always point those those individuals, good for you, and go to I would go to First Liberty Institute for representation there if it comes to it. All right. I will include those links in the show notes today directly to First Liberty Institute. Um, we have um, we have a listener who has texted in a question. And so I'm going to ask you this question and then we're going to answer it right when we come back from a very, very brief break. Again, we're with Chelsea Yeoman. She's the National Legislative Advisor for the Human Coalition Action. Um, this listener says, how late in pregnancy can the pill be taken? So when we come back, Chelsea, talk with us a little bit about um, about this abortion pill, um, how it works, and how late in pregnancy women across the United States are using it. Uh, You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge. This is Faith Radio. Thanks so much for listening to Mornings with Carmen LeBurge. Hey, I'm Susie Larson. Hey, if you enjoy what you're listening to here, would you consider subscribing to other great Faith Radio podcasts like mine? Search Susie Larson Live at myfaithradio.com. 
or wherever you listen to podcasts. Hit subscribe and have a great day. We are made, made in the image of, made in the image of God. Beautiful shades of love. Continuing our conversation with Chelsea Yeoman. She's the National Legislative Advisor for Human Coalition Action. Um, we are talking today about the um, the new rule by the FDA uh, to allow retail pharmacies across the United States of America to distribute the abortion pill to women who have prescriptions um, and also allowing the U.S. Postal Service to deliver the pill even from pharmacies, even from international pharmacies um, with uh, drugs that are actually not even FDA approved. So, Chelsea, the question is, um, you know, like how do these drugs work? How late in pregnancy can a woman um, take this uh, this drug, and I guess my additional question would be how how does anybody control how late a woman takes this kind of drug if she is doing this herself at home? right? These are very good I mean practical questions, right? So how this works is the FDA has approved the drugs to be taken through about ten weeks of pregnancy. Um, but we are having women that we serve at human coalition. We serve women who are pregnant and seeking abortion um, and with tangible care, compassionate care, and say, what is it you need? And would you prefer to parent if your circumstances were different? 76% of the clients we're serving say yes, they would prefer to parent. And out of those women that we're serving, some are coming to us in their second trimesters, late second trimesters, you know, even into to 20 weeks, 24 weeks with pills in hand. And so you're absolutely right to be saying that there's no practical control of the pill right now. It's essentially an illicit substance with organized individuals. Any doctor can issue a prescription for it um, from their home. And so we're talking about at-home abortions. The abortion pill counts for already over 50% of all abortions nationwide. And I think we can anticipate that being on the rise. Um, And we're here to serve those women and care for those women. But we also want to combat the distribution and normalizing of the pill because what we're also hearing from women is how terrible their experiences are with this pill and that they're not warned about complications. They're discouraged from going to the ER by their own abortion providers. Um, When complications do arise, they call us um, because they know that we're there for them. But we, of course, get them into the ER as fast as possible. We've had a few with ectopic pregnancies. I mean, these are dangerous substances that the federal government has just essentially subsidized. Um, So we're We're looking to combat that. And um, if you want to learn more about our work, go to humancoalition.org. And if you are politically involved, you know, there are political answers to um, some of these problems. Um, Chelsea, lots of questions uh, coming in now. Um, uh, Somebody uh, in Texas asking a question about um, a network of women who apparently are bringing these kinds of drugs across the border from Mexico and distributing them um, through some sort of social network. That sounds like that that eliminates the involvement of a physician altogether. Um, That might go beyond the scope of uh, what you're prepared to talk about today. Um, But other people asking about... um, you know, this this feels like it undermines the rule of law. Can you address either of those questions? Yes, both of those are correct. We are aware of what's happening coming over from Mexico. Um, lots of drugs. I mean, it is being treated essentially like a drug at this phase. And so we do have legislation. You can go to humancoalition.org. Um, we actually have legislation we're releasing publicly uh, today. So I'm excited to talk about that, that will address this issue. I think the answer there is what the Heart, Texas Heartbeat Act did, which is mm. private civil 
liability for these bad actors where women, um, doctors, we could sue when we figure out who they are, which they are coming out very publicly to do it. They have their own websites after all. Um, you know, that would be one way to go after those guys. But overall, we just really need to engage in the pro-life movement at this moment and understand that we waited for 50 years for Roe to be overturned and our work truly begins. We're going to continue serving women, but we need to also hold elected officials accountable for the promises they've made when Roe was here, when they said we are pro-life, we want to see vulnerable children protected in the womb at all phases. Um, and that's that's what they want to know that we're going to back them on. We're, we're going to vote that way, you know, be engaged, calling their offices, asking what they're going to do about this too. It does certainly flout current law, um, but there is more that can be done. All right. We're going to invite you to visit humancoalition.org. When you do, you're going to see the range of things that um, the Human Coalition is engaged in. If you scroll down the page, one of the just one of the it's one of the great things on here um, are these stories of rescued children. Um, this is a pretty remarkable part of um, of what Human Coalition is doing. So can you just can you point to that? Because it's so positive. Yes, we at Human Coalition, we're serving moms who are pregnant um, with just compassionate care. We reach them where they're at and we begin working with them on their heart's desire, which is to parent. Ultimately, um, women say, you know, if my circumstances were different, if I had a job, if I could feed the children I already have, um, if I could afford housing, you know, I would want to parent. And so we start giving her hope in that moment and empowering her to know that she's able and God has a purpose for her life and a purpose for her child's life. Um, and we're there for her every step of the way. And so we love our work. We we care about these children. We care about these moms. Um, and we know after all, they can put a Planned Parenthood on every corner. But if we're there caring for women and letting them know that they're able and that God is with them, um, you know, that that's ultimately something that's going to protect life in the end. All right. Well, there's no question that the FDA approval for pharmacies dispensing abortion pills has uh, changed the debate. I hope that as you're listening today, this has more fully prepared you for those conversations, um, you know, that you actually need to be having today um, because this this has been normalized. It's absolutely the way that particularly young women um, are being invited to uh, to have abortions when they are when they find themselves pregnant and we want them to find other resources. We want them to find pro-life resources. And so um, if you're listening right now, you are the person who helps make that happen by um, by not only being sure that you know um, what the pro-life pregnancy options are in your own community, um, that your pastor is fully engaged in these kinds of conversations, and that you have a national network, um, including organizations like Human Coalition. Uh, and so check it out humancoalition.org. Chelsea, thank you so much for joining us today on Mornings with Carmen. Thank you. What a delight. All right. Again, you can find Chelsea Yeoman and all of the uh, links that we talked about today in today's show notes, or you can go directly to humancoalition.org. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge. This is Faith Radio. All right. Sorry, I didn't get to all the questions um, here on um, on the text line this morning. Remember, you can engage with me during the show, 877-933-2484. Yes, I will include all the links 
including those that uh, provide the statistics that Chelsea referred to um, in her time with us this morning. Um, a question here from a person who says, so so why do they end up in the ER? Well, they end up in the ER because um, sometimes they take these medications um, at a point in, in pregnancy. And if you're thinking about this, there's a there's a two-pill process in terms of how this works. Um, first, the woman uh, takes a pill um, that forces her um, body to separate the um, the placenta from the uterus, which um, obviously is a physically painful process. Uh, she takes another pill at a prescribed time um, after that um, that forces her body to expel what is in her womb. You can imagine that is a very uncomfortable and painful process as well. Um, and sometimes um, that does not all work like the drug is designed to work and she ends up um, either unable uh, to physically expel what is in her womb um, and I, I don't, you know, I'm, I'm trying not to be graphic because I know there's little ears listening here, but in, into the commode um, because that's how this works. And that person is, as you can then imagine, um, you know, she then has to take the next step of flushing that down the toilet. And, and if you want to talk about trauma to an individual, um, asking a woman to do this at home by herself is about the most horrific form of quote unquote healthcare I could imagine. So any doctor that would do this clearly does not care about the mental welfare of the woman he is treating, he or she is treating. Um, that, that's, that's the long and the short of it. So how do they end up in the ER? Sometimes mental anguish, sometimes um, suicidal ideation, sometimes um, physically their body did not expel um, everything, and so they then need medical intervention um, to complete the abortion that failed at home. It's horrific. Um, the questions are important um, and the subject matter is important. And if you're listening right now and you've experienced um, a chemical abortion, a medication abortion, a pharmaceutical abortion, I'm so sorry um, because I recognize that hearing us talk about it is incredibly painful. There are ministries and resources available for you. Um, no sin is unforgivable, um, but it is um, it is extraordinary um, that this is happening and the rate at which it's happening in America is on the rise. Chelsea's not wrong. This has been normalized. Um, and yes, for those of you who are asking questions about the percentages, we went from uh, like 10% of women who were having chemical abortions, uh, having to visit the ER to 34% in 2021. So uh, yes, the statistics uh, that support all of that are included in the links to the show notes um, today. And you can get those show notes at MyFaithRadio.com when we upload the podcast. We upload the show as a podcast a little later this morning. Or if you subscribe to Mornings with Carmen um, if through any podcast service, when that podcast populates, it has the show notes um, in the description. So there you go. 
Let's take a deep breath. Let's take a deep breath. Um, I have in here in my notes to ask Paul Perot in studio this morning mm-hmm. about driving on ice because I don't normally drive on ice um, to the studio. And this morning I, I had that um, experience and privilege. And let me just say, wow, that gets your adrenaline pumping, man. <laughs> driving on ice, that is an adrenaline pumping experience. Yes. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it's not easy. I, I, I'd i rather drive on snow <laughs> than snow. on ice because... I just feel like I should just say, look, look, if you survived yesterday and you survived today, like you've done it right. That's it. That's like, <laughs> I just feel like survival is the mode that we might uh, find ourselves in. We're going to talk with Ruth Kramer next from Mission Network News. She's going to uh, help us bring into view things that are happening um, with people around the world. God has got the whole world in his hands. Sometimes it doesn't feel like that, but that is true. It is true. God has got the whole world in his hands and he cares about precious people the world around and so we're going to pray the news next with ruth kramer from mission network news All right, we are uh, having a little technological problem this morning, getting Ruth Kramer on the line. So while Paul Perot is dutifully uh, working on that project, I am going to share some um, resources with those of you asking for them in terms of um, uh, post-abortive ministries. There's a lot available at FocusOnTheFamily.com. There is a uh, a ministry called uh, Project Rachel, um, and I will uh, put other resources. There's Rachel's Vineyard. Um, there are a number of confidential post-abortive um, ministries and recovery programs out there, including Heartbeat International. Um, and so we want to put you in touch with the resources that are available. Please hear no condemnation in my voice um, for those of you who are post-abortive. Um, we want to be a ministry of love and um, and healing in relationship to your life experience. Um, and we want to put you in touch with the resources that can help. So um, so those will be all in the show notes today at MyFaithRadio.com for uh, today's uh, opening hour of Mornings with Carmen. Joining us now, Ruth Kramer from Mission Network News. Good morning, Ruth. Good morning. Sorry to uh, to put the uh, adrenaline spike on you this morning. That's okay. I already drove on ice this morning, so I'm like, my adrenaline, I'm, I'm going to be, I'm going to have to take a nap at nine o'clock. I don't know. Something. Yeah. So um, bring us up to date on what is happening um, in, in Pakistan. Well, we reported on some massive unprecedented floods uh, that ravaged the country earlier. And uh, uh, I would say probably October, November of last year. And, um, Unbeknownst to most of us, uh, not much headway has been made in terms of getting things back to some kind of a livable situation. So many of the homes that were uh, flooded are still underwater. And the estimates are from UNICEF that by early this month, sometime within the next couple of weeks, as many as 4 million children who are living near the contaminated and stagnant floodwaters are risking extreme hunger. Um their health is is a severe concern because of the catastrophic flooding. flooding. Um, the foreign minister of Pakistan actually appealed for international funds ahead of the donor gathering in Geneva because the UN says that funding for those flood victims is going to run out by January 15th if nothing actually changes. Um, so when you're talking about the situation of uh, loss of crops, loss of housing, 
with people living out in the open air uh, and winter setting in uh, with the possibility of waterborne diseases. It's a serious situation. Um, we've been talking with our partners on the ground with FMI, and we're told that right now the uh, network that they work with are really scrambling to try to deal with the harsh situations right now. They're asking us to continue to pray for the partners who are trying to reach out to the congregations because it's a desperate situation. Um, in addition to all of these other things that are just, you know, dealing with the physical aspects of trying to survive uh, a catastrophic flood, um, many of the kids that have been affected are considered the most vulnerable of the vulnerable because um, without a normal system to support them, they're at risk of being forced into child labor or into child marriage. And that has been uh, noted on the rise since the floods actually occurred. So this is um, a situation that is near and dear to the hearts of FMI, to the hearts of the believers that are trying to make a difference in that country. And they're asking us to not only be praying, but also to consider what we might, what else we might be able to do. Um, it's also a politically fraught situation um, in in Pakistan. Can you t- tell us a little bit about what's going on with the Pakistani Taliban? Yeah, you know the tech, the, the Pakistani Taliban has been uh, gaining a lot of influence in the country over the last number of years. Um, it's it's disconcerting because the TTP, as they're known, um, has actually challenged Pakistan's sovereignty and declared their own government. They've already set into place uh, things like defense, uh, judiciary, uh, education, and and construction um, because they fully intend on taking over the government and staying in power. Um, The thing that's concerning about the TTP is that they consider the Taliban to be a little bit liberal in their interpretation of um, of Sharia law, and so when you think about what the Taliban is doing in Afghanistan and how severely they interpret Islamic law, and the TTP thinks that that's a liberal interpretation, um, things could get very difficult in the country, um, especially for those that are not following that ideology. So we're talking about the religious minorities in Pakistan, which are the Christians. Um, that's something that is very disconcerting for our partners, FMI, and they're asking us to continue to pray because believers are getting a little bit uh, concerned about this, a little bit scared because of what it could mean. Um, there's massive ministry in southwestern and northwestern borders along the country, and there are also partners who are serving cross-border Pakistan and Afghanistan. So they're dealing with some of the most dangerous um, people with regard to the extremists, they are sharing the gospel with the Taliban fighters and with the TTP fighters at, uh, with full knowledge of the risk that they're running. And they're also operating safe houses. And this is all done in the name of Christ because um, they are trying to make a difference in a situation where the government isn't really responding well and people are searching desperately for hope. When you think about the uh, percentage of a population, I want you to just to imagine right now that you are, you know, one person standing in the midst of a hundred people. So just imagine that for just a moment, you are one person standing in the midst of a hundred people. You are the Christian in Pakistan. So one one percent of the population 
um, are Christians. And so when you are praying for Christians in Pakistan, um, you can think about yourself being that one person standing in the midst of a hundred, you know, the 99 or not. Um, And so let's be praying ardently on that front. Um, Ruth, this is taking uh, what you and I have teed up to talk about a little out of order, but we have a question uh, here from a listener um, specifically about the welfare of um, uh, of Ryan and Annabelle. Ryan, the uh, the pilot, wrongfully detained in Mozambique. So, can we jump to what on our list is the last thing to talk about and uh, and put it here at number two? Sure. Um, we don't have a lot of new information on Ryan Coer's um, situation, unfortunately. Um, what we did know was that the prosecutor for his case it has been ill, and he was actually hospitalized for that illness, but now he has actually returned to work, which is important because um, the attorney representing representing uh, Ryan Coer is trying to press for a dismissal of the case. So that means you need to have the prosecutor in the courtroom at the same time. Um, there's not a lot of movement on that front yet. The official from the U.S. Embassy was supposed to be able to see Ryan January 6th. Um, we don't have any new information on whether that visit was allowed to happen or not. Right now, only Ryan's attorney can visit with him with limited visit by embassy officials. So the embassy officials actually believe that Ryan is innocent of any of the charges against, well, we say charges, but I don't really think there have been any charges uh, um, uh, associated with the case officially. Um, there are some accusations. There are things that have been said that allowed the government to detain him and move him to a high security block. But I don't know for sure that those charges have been made official. So the release is a priority for the U.S. Embassy, and they're trying to work with the government as such. They had a really good meeting with the prison director. So it's still it's moving but very, very slowly. So be praying because obviously Ryan's wife and kids are in the U.S. and separated, you know, quite far from from Ryan. And um, the separation is hard. It's something that is calling on his wife to be the spokesperson for a very difficult situation. Um, we are trying to seek, we, we're actually trying to get an interview with Annabelle and hope to have some information on that uh, within the next uh, couple of weeks. So that's all we know. I'll just continue to pray. Um, Ryan is a mechanic with Ambassador Aviation, which is MAF's partner in Mozambique. Um, And and just in case people don't remember what happened, he was flying some humanitarian aid supplies uh, into an orphanage area. And um, as they were going through security checks, uh, the security officials took a lot of interest in the things that he was shipping in, which are like vitamins, over-the-counter medication, and food preservatives, and um, accused him of supporting the insurgency in northern Mozambique. So that's what he's in trouble for. Let's um, let's pray. Let's pray for them right now. Father, we come before you um, lifting up Ryan and his wife, Annabelle, lifting up their family, lifting up the ministry in which they are engaged, lifting up the precious people who did not receive the supplies that were intercepted. Um, Father, so many directions in which we could pray today. We are going to pray for your favor, your grace, your mercy, um, that you would be using Ryan right now in, in, in what others mean for evil. You would be using him in the context of a prison in Mozambique in ways that 
um, we wouldn't even know how to pray. So, Father, we pray for his physical welfare. We, f- we pray that you would strengthen him in the inner man, that you would supply for his needs, um, and that you would, um, you would pour out your grace in this situation anew. In Jesus' name, amen. We'll return to our conversation with Ruth Kramer for Mission Network News in just a moment. We are taking a look at what in the world is going on in the world from a Christian worldview, finding out what our brothers and sisters in Christ are facing and so that we will know how to pray for them. You can find uh, everything that we're talking about today at missionnews.org. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LaBurge. This is Faith Radio. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of the live radio show carried on the Faith Radio Network. There's a lot going on at Faith Radio, tons of free resources just waiting for you and for you to share with others at MyFaithRadio.com. How does that all happen? Well, it happens through listener support. So Faith Radio, Mornings with Carmen, all available because of listener support from listeners, well, just like you. If you're a supporter, Thank you so very much. If you'd like to become a supporter today, just visit MyFaithRadio.com. And again, thanks for being a part of what we do every day at Mornings with Carmen. To boldly go where no one has gone before. Continuing our conversation with Ruth Kramer from Mission Network News. We're taking a look at what in the world is going on in the world and uh, getting in touch with what our Christian brothers and sisters are not only confronting, but how they are confronting it with the gospel of Jesus Christ. So, Ruth, um, Azerbaijan and Armenia, um, tell us what's happening there. Well, this is going to be one of those conflicts to watch, I think, in 2023. Um, it has never really fully settled down since the, the six-week war in 2020. Uh, that was extremely costly in terms of resources and people and, and all that kind of thing. Um, it's been exacerbated because of the situation between Russia and Ukraine. So the impact has been especially acute in this uh, crisis of uh, Nagorno-Karabakh and and the conflict and the tension levels between Armenia and Azerbaijan look like they're going to really come to a head in the near future. Um, you're talking about some areas that have been uh, ceded from Armenia to Azerbaijan, um, some things that have been forcibly taken, um, and a lot of um, difficulty over one specific area that's sort of a, a line of demarcation that both sides want to claim because of um, the, the type of geography that it is. So it's escalated just a little bit more. Armenia has actually canceled the military drills um, that are supposed to be hosted by the Russian-led alliance. Uh, don't forget the Russians uh, actually helped to broker the peace accord between Armenia and Azerbaijan. So this is just one more step in the escalation of what's actually going on. Um, as we talk about this kind of thing, you know, we're thinking about our partners, Slavic Gospel Association, that are active in churches in all three of these areas, Armenia, Azerbaijan, and the Nagorno-Karabakh region. And um, this is considered to be kind of a no man's land because of how difficult the the area has become because of the fighting. Um, And yet SGA partners are rushing into these embattled areas, bringing aid in Jesus's name. Um, It's it's a very dangerous situation, but they're going in there because they're seeing suffering that needs to be addressed and people are really searching for hope. I mean, you, you hear this so often, it almost sounds like a cliche, where a crisis 
you know, shatters people's understanding about what the normal is and they start searching for hope. They're asking really deep spiritual questions and, you know, they don't always get those answers unless there's someone there who has understanding about um, the hope that we have in Jesus Christ, the peace that passes understanding. Um, those things make a lot of sense to people who are frightened, who are dealing with a hopeless future, and um, they, they cling to a hope in the gospel. So be praying for the churches in SGA um, as they go through these areas in the war-torn areas. They're also actively involved in the whole situation in Ukraine and Russia. Um, you've got cross-border kind of activity between Russia's churches, uh, the SGA Russian churches, and Ukrainian SGA churches helping each other throughout the conflict that's been going on. It's a beautiful picture of uh, equipping the church, helping the forgotten, and sharing the gospel. I love it. I love it. Um, in terms of things to keep our um, attention focused on in 2023, the situation in Lebanon, we have been talking about it now for years, um, but the situation in Lebanon um, has now definitely reached the crisis point um, in terms of food scarcity. Yeah. Um, extreme hunger uh, is the next step on on the issues of crisis that Lebanon has to deal with. Uh, according to our figures, um, 37% of Lebanese and Syrian refugee children already don't get enough to eat every day. And that number is going to rise to 42% in the first quarter of 2023 unless something changes. Um, Horizons International has been dealing with the refugee crisis since before people were aware it was a refugee crisis. Um, and since this whole situation with the... Um, the Syrian war and the economic collapse in Lebanon has occurred, they have been kind of inundated for what they're able to serve the community uh, with the resources that they have. Um, one of the things they do is they have a thing called a school of hope. And it was specifically started to help provide Syrian refugee children with an education. But they also saw that as these children were coming into school, they were not eating well. So they started feeding them healthy meals and healthy snacks in the hopes that they would be able to put enough food in their stomachs so that they could get through the school day with a, the ability to learn something and then go home and, um, and still be able to function with the food that they were getting at school. Um, now with the current situation, what we are seeing is uh, the public schools have been privatized. And a lot of those privatized schools are funded by the local currency, which has actually crashed. And so those public schools are starting to fail and are being bought out by the private uh, private sector. And that's providing groups like Horizons International with a fabulous opportunity to expand the school system. Because right now they've only got space for 140 needy kids. And 140 needy kids is just a drop in the bucket in the corner of one part of a refugee camp in the Bacaw Valley. So they know what the need is. And this opportunity that's coming up with um, several of the public schools that are looking to be privately owned um, by an organization like Horizons International is a matter for prayer because it's uh, a huge output of capital, but the need is there. And so they're trying to raise the funds to, to fund this project. Um, be praying for this because a lot of times when you have a school like Horizon or like an organization like Horizons coming in to take over uh, a school system, 
they will also be bringing in to it things that the kids haven't heard before, like the gospel. And what's interesting is the children really respond to that well, and they are natural evangelists. They take all the stuff, they learn all these songs, they have just the natural child's joy that comes from learning and um, and finding something new that brings hope, and they take it home with them. And they tell their parents, listen to this verse that I learned today from the Bible, and they, they will share their favorite verses. When we got to visit some of these homes uh, and meet some of the students from School of Hope, um, they were just so excited to meet Americans, but also they wanted to share some of the things that meant the most to them. So they were sharing their favorite worship songs and they were sharing their favorite scripture verses. And then the parent would say, I learned something Mm -hmm. from this verse. And you would just start seeing how this one seed that was planted through the children was starting to affect the entire family. It's so important. It's so important. I, I, th- we experienced that in our own, in our own culture as well, right? I mean, parents, uh, adults who were not raised in the faith, who um, are introduced to the gospel and to um, gospel messaging and good biblical content through children's ministries. And so, yeah, that totally makes sense to me that it works that way. Ruth, um, thank you as always so much. Uh, you guys can find uh, really important information on uh, updates related to other nations around the world and our Christian brothers and sisters operating in places that are um, that are hard and difficult and uh, ways in which you can pray and engage. You can find it all at missionnews.org. Ruth, as always, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge. This is Faith Radio. Take a deep breath this morning and let's um, consider again the God who is. God is good and God is great. God is gracious. He's abounding in steadfast love. God is ever present. Um, you can turn to him right now. He's, he's actually closer to you than your next breath. Do you perceive him? Do you feel his presence? Do you recognize that God not only holds the whole world in your hands, but he's written your name on his palm. Do you recognize him as Abba, Father? Is his very Holy Spirit dwelling within you? The question um, that we are often asking in the midst of challenges of every variety is where is God? Where is God? Um, and to that, God is saying, I'm right here. I'm, I'm right here. Turn around. I'm right here. I'm right here. You're so focused on um, the pinhead problem. You're missing the perspective of the God who is in and over and through it all. So I want to invite you to open yourself today to the God who is and the God who is powerful and able the God who's going to get his glory and the God who is personally closer to you right now than your next breath. We got another hour of Mornings with Carmen up next. Stay tuned. Thanks for listening to Mornings with Carmen LeBurge. Podcasts like this are available because of your support. If it's important to you to hear things that encourage your faith, click the link in the show notes to give now. And thanks.